We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. You are listening to the Dynasty Tradecast brought to you by mybookie.ag. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another wonderful edition of the Dynasty Tradecast. I, as sometimes, am your host, Dan Sanio, on Twitter at FFDynastyDan, joined by my very lovely, very good-looking, most of the time, always here co-host, Sometimes with a microphone, not always. Nathan Powell on Twitter at NPowellFF. Nathan, how are you doing outside of looking absolutely fantastic, which not everyone can see, obviously, but that beard is luscious. Let me tell you guys. I tell you what, I don't think I've ever gotten more compliments to start a show slash backhanded slaps as well. Um, new year, new me. Yeah, no, me. New year, new me. Yeah, new year, new year, new you. And we, uh, we had a little bit of a week off, and we're coming to you late this week. Uh, hope- the Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season, 40 to 75% off everything, plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99, logo styles from $16.99, and jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. You're on your Friday or maybe your Saturday morning. You're walking the dogs. You know, don't try and take my Snapchat show. Um, but, yeah, uh, so I'm ready to talk some AB, ready to talk some playoffs. Very, very, very fun. This, uh, as Denny Carter would say, uh, is my Friday. Wait, that's not right. Um, okay, so we, like Nathan uh, brought up, we're going to um, just kind of quick hit the Antonio Brown news and, and uh, spit some takes on that. Then we are going to run through each playoff matchup and talk about some buys and sells within each, each of those games. Um, obviously, you know, the the playoff games themselves aren't really going to have much to do with it. It's just kind of a nice little format to look at a, a smaller window of, of players. And then uh, if there's time at the end, we might look at some Twitter trades and just kind of let you guys know how, how it's going out there. So uh, before we hop into the really fun stuff, we will uh, we'll give you just one quick reminder that you can support the Road of His Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all of your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $5 per month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $5. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high quality industry-leading programming. 
Speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. The season is here. It's almost over, folks, but you got your playoff fantasy football content coming at you through Rotoviz. Make sure you're ready. Gain limited access to all our NFL content and tools so you get amazing value and support the podcast network. Once again, that's rotaviz.com slash podcast. There we are. Let's dive into the hot topic of the week. Not hot topic, the store. Uh, I feel like that would be a weird segue. Um, Antonio Brown getting into uh, a little a little spat with, um, I would assume, just Big Ben and maybe some other staff members. And just kind of throwing a little fit. No one's heard from him. No one's really done anything. It sounds like Mike Tomlin's pretty pretty convinced that he's just sticking around. No no feelings were hurt. But I think there maybe is a little bit more to this. Um, Nathan, do you have any feelings on on AB kind of being AB? I mean, first of all, how how does Mike Tomlin survive Black Monday after after that nonsense? <laughs> Like he was, he was Rooney, on Rooney a little role. bit of a hot seat going in, and then your star player flips out on you. And I guess, I mean, obviously, most of the blame goes to Antonio Brown there. But when you're on the hot seat as a coach, you can't allow that to happen at your practice. I think, I think that's a, that might be a job that Mike Tomlin dies in. I, I don't think, I, I just, with the whole, the whole way that organization went and, and, you know, the Rooney rule and everything like that. So, um, I feel like he's just going to probably be there for way too long and, and outstay his welcome. But yeah, that was, that was really, really awkward. Uh, it didn't, none of it really seemed genuine. So now it's kind of, you know, we've been hearing like the big Ben retirement stories and, and we've heard before like Antonio Brown, you know, with the Facebook video or like maybe not being the best teammate in the locker room and all this stuff. And then we get this one. And this one feels different than all of the other ones. This one, this one feels like there might be a little bit of meat on that bone. Yeah, I mean, it's a legitimate problem. But the thing that every, everything is going to end up back to is the salary cap issue. Whether they cut him, whether they trade him, whether they play him, they'll be paying him $22 million this year. Uh, or next year, I guess it is. So the, the problem with this is that there's not really any room for him to go anywhere. It's going to end up, he's going to be on the Steelers. And if he isn't, it's going to be some team saying, hey, I don't, I'm not even sure if they're allowed to do this, but some team saying, we're going to take on that $22 million cap hit that you would have gotten. We're going to take on that penalty. I don't even think it's possible. So th- there's just no way to not pl- pay a player $22 million to play on your team. Yeah, um, that's 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 probably going to be the big hangup in the whole thing of it is is the contract because, like you said, I don't think I don't think you can just go in and do that. That's got there's got to be some tampering stuff to deal with that. Um, but there's teams with plenty of plenty of cap space and you know the need for guys like that to to sell tickets. Um, you know the the Colts were kind of a hot topic. I said that's like the fourth time I said hot topic. Um, the Colts were were a name that that kind of came up right away, but they've been linked with Le'Veon. They've been now linked with AB. They they always seem to be linked with that guy, like you know that next guy, uh, because of Andrew Luck. But I just I I don't as much as it's like wow, this is an obvious time to deal him because of the contract. I feel like there's just nowhere for him to go in in really any market, and people are. Either they're either going to want him to sell tickets or they're not going to want him because they see him as a headache. And I don't know which market was, is going to be willing to take on, you know, a potential headache that sells tickets. Yeah. And obviously this is something that's more, more cognizant of since the Calvin Johnson incident, but also you have to look for if the Steelers can't deal him, And if Antonio Brown's like, I'm not going to play for the Steelers because I'm sick of them. I'm sure this is in the very, very small range of outcomes. But it's in the range of outcomes that Antonio Brown retires. Like, I, I think that that's something that not a lot of people are bringing up, but we've seen it more often in, in recent years. And, you know, if a player is pretty much stuck where he doesn't want to be and he can't leave, then that is certainly the other option other than play for the team. Yeah, I think that's probably the smallest percentage outcome. But the fact that it is an outcome and <laughs> there's, there's a chance it happens, that's scary. So I, I think – you know, we, we maybe need to be a little bit cautious with AB um, during this offseason. I think if you can sell him 
for a top 15 asset, maybe even top 20 asset, just to get away from, from any of the drama, any of the headache. I, I think maybe it's time to make that move. Um, I've always been an Antonio Brown guy. He just always puts up the points, even with Juju seemingly taking taking over the reins. I, I still think that Antonio is plenty going to be plenty productive for for even a little while yet. I mean, I know he's he's in his he's thirty now, so um, I, that'll be that'll play a role in it. But I think I think you're kind of going to be better off trading him. And I know you're going to have some some owners running around looking. Hey, this is a good time to buy. This might be a good time to buy and get in on a. a an elite asset. So there might be, it might be an easy time to trade him because you're probably going to have, you know, whether owners want to move him or you're going to have a bunch that are probably trying to buy him just because of the potential um, buy low window. And I'm not necessarily selling, say sell for nothing. Uh, You still need to get your value out of him. Otherwise he's just a hold. But I think if there was a time to sell and, and it might be able to be an easy way to, to agree upon something, I think now might be that time. Yeah, and to reference some DLF ADP, uh, Antonio Brown from the January uh, ADP, it's not yet published, but Ryan tweets out the results as they come out. Antonio Brown landed at, at pick 13, and Mike Evans ended up at pick 14. And this was during the Antonio Brown mess. Uh, so I guess I, I'll throw it to you. Everyone knows my answer to this question, but would you rather have Antonio Brown or Mike Evans today? Yeah, outside you know, outside the first, the first rounder at the very tail end of the first, I think that's pretty much where where Mike Evans belongs once you get through the actually elite wide receivers and the top tier running backs, I think that's right where they go. So I, I think I would take Mike Evans because of the age, potential upside. Um, yes, he's can be volatile. He can disappear. Um, and that is going to come with the Jameis Winston territory. But I still, you know, if, if it can get me away from a potential disaster and like, you know, like he brought up before the Calvin Johnson thing, that's, that's, a, a small percentage but it's a real it's it's a real outcome that could happen so uh i think now is probably the time you know because of the age because of juju kind of taking over and his willing his willingness to probably just step away and be like hey yeah like you said nathan i'm just not gonna play um i think that's really real so yeah i, I think even the few players right behind him I, I don't know who's right behind him there but i feel like those are probably going to be some names that would be pretty pretty interesting too to to maybe uh slide back for Alrighty, let's slide into some playoff talk, as you say, kind of the trade cast version of some playoff talk, and we'll start off with the Bears Eagles game. And so for me, this game doesn't really scream. I need to buy any of these guys. I need to sell any of these guys. But the one that I think is a sneaky buy right now is one of those players that when he has a big game, his his dynasty value goes way up. And then when he's quiet for a couple of games, people tend to forget about him. And that's Tariq Cohen of the Chicago Bears. Um, certainly Jordan Howard had a disappointing season in 2018. And Cohen, you know, he had a good year, didn't exactly explode onto the scene, but he, you know, had some big games. So I- I'm buying in on Cohen on the fact that, you know, people aren't quite buying into him being like an every week fantasy asset. And I think he has that ability if he just gets more of a role in the offense, which I think will happen because he's the more more talented player and the, the better running back at the position than uh, Jordan Howard. Yeah, and, and I mean, Jordan Howard's only only locked into Chicago for one more year, uh, and we already saw his work pretty much go kaput this year unless he was scripted into the game. Uh, you know, when, you, when your team's up by 20 or 30, you can put Jordan Howard out there, and he's not a liability in the passing game or in any of that. And so... So obviously, if they're if they're just going to kind of do the ground and pound thing, Jordan Howard makes sense. But I think Tariq Cohen can do a lot of those things as well. Yes, he's small, but man, is he he's explosive. Uh, I really like that actually as a buy because, like you said, guys like that that you know are kind of more volatile, maybe better best ball assets. Their stock seems to change a lot more rapidly than your every week producers. Those guys kind of just seem to stay in their tiers and just kind of you know live where they live. So. Uh, I do like Cohen uh, as you know, buy now, buy yesterday, buy tomorrow. You just, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, staying on the Bears side there, I think, <clears throat> and if you've been following me on Twitter uh, and keeping up with those, um, with the with the recap threads, A Rob's been a sell pretty much. Uh, he's been listed that pretty much every week, or at least consistently throughout the year. Um, I still don't see him in a price range where he's worth buying uh, i think he's getting closer to that because of the once you know high-end production obviously most of that was garbage time and it's kind of tough to lean on that but he's he's still 
too high propped up. That name still has too much value on it, and especially in an offense that, you know, they, they, they spread everything out. Everything is, it's, there's no high volume players there. He had something like 90 targets this year. Um, you know, and I, he only played what, like 14 games, but still he's, he's going to need 120 to uh, 140 probably in that range to, to really meet any of his expectations. So I just don't see that happening. Um, you know, like, like I just said with Nagy, he likes to spread it out. Plus, you know, Trubisky isn't, you know, he's, he's not a high end quarterback. And I think they, I hope they start to use him more, uh, you know, on the, in the ground game rather than having him stand back there and throw it around because he's not, he's not that great of a quarterback. He's scary enough with his feet where he can kind of keep defenses at bay. So um, selling a Rob buying Cohen um, Eagles side of the football. Nathan, you got anybody that you want to buy or sell there? I mean, there's always been consistent buying and they'll agree here of Alshon. You know, he's never been – or, I mean, I, I'd say it's probably a, a narrow window, maybe 2015, 2016, where Alshon was properly valued. But he's consistently been under, undervalued the last few years. So, I'm fine always bu- buying Alshon with that, like, late fourth, early fifth startup type valuation. Uh, and I think that that's pretty much where he's sitting right now. Yeah, I'm always a fan of that as well. And I, I think we're both on the same page with that one. He's one of those guys that – I just kind of always, uh, ever since he left Chicago, just kind of seems underappreciated, underrated a little bit. Um, he's, we, we need Wentz to be healthy for one. Obviously, Wentz wasn't healthy all year, uh, and that that kind of that kind of threw a wrench into things. You know, when we saw healthy Wentz throwing the ball downfield and improving, um, Alshon's output increased rapidly, and and then once Foles came in, because Foles is pretty good down the field, uh, where Wentz is like an elite mid-range passer. Um, we saw Alshon kind of pick up again, and now we see him with Foles here, um, you know, late season in the in the playoffs as well, and he's going to produce with Foles because that's that's kind of that's Foles' game. He takes either checks down or he takes a shot. There's no there's no intermediate range. So um, I, I always like Alshon. The, the only thing that that maybe makes me question when buying is whether or not Carson Wentz is going to be you know fully healthy or that improved Carson Wentz that we saw in his, in his MVP caliber season. So uh, yeah, I'm always still going to be an Alshon guy. It's just that buy thing sometimes scares me just because we don't know how that quarterback performance is going to go. Okay. Let's slide to the next game. Um, We'll stick in the NFC for this uh, other wild card game. And we've got the Cowboys and the Seahawks, Nathan, um, I'll let you pick. You got the Cowboys, you got Seahawks. Who are you buying? Who are you selling? Go for it. Well, as I referenced pretty much with every single buy or sell, especially with young players, we go to the draft capital. And we have uh, Rashad Penny, first-round draft pick, uh, has certainly disappointed in year one due to a lack of opportunity. And even when he's gotten the opportunity, um, he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been good enough to be like, you're not taking me off the field either. So uh, certainly that's caused his value to dip you know, I, I, he was drafted in the early first, and I'd say his, his uh, draft pick value now is probably like late first, early second at best. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big buyer uh, with Rashad Penny because I, I think that there is some upside there with the concept of he is the better player than, than Chris Carson and Mike Davis and that he takes on that role after, you know, a full offseason with the Seahawks, gains some trust with Pete Carroll. Um, and he he's one of those players that, you, you want to buy sooner than later because it, on the off chance the Seahawks win this game or go on a run in the playoffs, and if Rashad Penny flashes, it, it's oftentimes that we see a flash-in-the-pan type production from, from uh, you know, role players in the uh, postseason. But when it's a first-round pick that's, you know, showing flashes, that value rises even more in the dynasty sphere. Yeah, I, I just – when I look at Chris Carson, I mean, he had, he had a really nice year. You can't take that away from him. Um, the only issue I see is is – Seattle's history since March on left um, you've got just a handful of really mediocre players that are putting up nice fantasy seasons. You know, Thomas Rawls a few years ago, um, Mike Davis of late <clears throat> Nathan, um, even, even Kristen Michael had had some, some legitimate output. That's just the nature of the beast. That's not, that's not the running backs. That's, that's the fear of Russell Wilson. Because you know, with how bad their line has been, that and just it's it's defenses keeping themselves in check to protect themselves against Russell Wilson. 
So that frees up that running game a little bit more. And like I said, I'm not taking away Chris Carson's season from him. Um, he was very nice. He was a great buy uh, contender um, buy for obviously the you know early season if you were able to get him. But I still think that there's going to be some believers. And I, I mean, because of that draft capital, um, and you know Pete Carroll's a little bit notorious for for not playing his young guys. Um, I just feel like Chris Carson's such an easy sell that you could probably ship him to a different contender who is maybe looking to pay a second or something like that for, for some type of, of production. And the, the thought that he's still under contract for a couple of years and his output this year could keep him relevant. That's, that's to me an easy sell and, and all of the, all of the writings on the wall there too, to, to make it like, you know, a believable pitch to somebody. So not that you have to do a sales pitch to somebody to sell them somebody, but they might, be, they might believe it. Um, and you know, it, so yeah, selling Chris Carson and inversely buying Rashad Penny, like you said, Nathan. So um, I think that backfield's kind of split up and I, I feel like they're going to go in a direction, but Pete Carroll's done some silly things. Um, hopping over to the Cowboys. Uh, this will probably just be a forever buy for me as Dak Prescott, whether it's one QB, two QB, super flex, three QB, if you're in a weird league. Um, he's proven once again, uh, you know, QB one season, it's <laughs> three in a row. Um, he had a horrible start to the year. They didn't have anyone to throw to. Daz is gone. They bring in Alan Hearns and garbage like that. Now they have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup starting to turn it on. Um, it's very possible that Blake Jarwin turns into the tight end that they want to hang on to and maybe has a, a, a Jason Winton light type of career. Um, or they go into the draft, get themselves a, a stand-up tight end or a slot receiver and help them out that way. You know, that, that line for future, that line should be healthy. Travis Frederick hopefully will be back. Um, and, and with that line in combination with Zeke, that's, I mean, it's just a recipe for success. And now you have two outside receivers that that have done really well down the stretch here. Yes, Amari still has his games where he's, you know, still mediocre. But when you run up against good defenses or or they focus in on you rather than on Zeke, they're going to shut you down. So I, I think I think Dak is just, you know, because of his valuation and that mid that mid QB two valuation, it seems across, you know, most markets that's, that's free money. Yeah. I think Dak is a solid buy with the weapons that they're building around him. Uh, but the buy I like is one of his weapons and that's Michael Gallup. Uh, I think that yes, he had some flashes toward the end of the season, but not enough to where his value has really changed. I think that it, he, you know, was being drafted at like an early to mid second, and maybe that crept down to a mid to late second in terms of evaluation. I traded two thirds for him in one league. Um, so I, I, I think that he is certainly still a buy because he hasn't broken out yet. And he's going to be that number two in the Dallas offense. Obviously, we didn't really project him being the wide receiver one in Dallas regardless, but they didn't have one prior to the Amari Cooper trade. So acquiring Amari Cooper kind of cements him in that wide receiver two role. And I think he'll be very good in it. And he'll, you know, pay off the value of a, you know, what would probably cost you around a mid second right now. Yeah. And, and like you said, they didn't have Amari then. And, and those, those two seem to work really well in tandem. And one of them seems to like they're always open. So, um, that's a that's a positive note. And and going back to, you know, the, the draft draft time, rookie draft time, uh, there was another guy in that in that zone where Gallup was being drafted as James Washington. So now you throw in that that um, Antonio Brown wrench that we talked about at the beginning of the show. And you've got two really interesting you know rookies who will be going into their sophomore year that can probably be had for less than less than what you paid or even or less than what they were going for. Or even if it's you know a, a lateral move, if you can throw a mid second at somebody who paid like two hundred four for you know for Gallup or for Washington and one of those types of guys, that's that's a good move to make right now. I like that buy from Nathan. Okay, uh, before we slide over to the AFC, we are going to uh, talk about our friends at the FFPC that have the longest running and most unique playoff contest in fantasy football. In, I mean, the universe, honestly. It's the FFPC Playoff Challenge. It's $200 to enter with a $200,000 grand prize and a $750,000 total prize pool, paying down 600 places. Yes, you heard that right. That's three quarters of a million dollars, and you only have to get top 600 
to find yourself a spot. That's 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 easy. That's not that difficult. With no salary cap, no draft to worry about, you simply choose 10 players to make up your team's roster. There's a catch. You're only allowed to use one player from each NFL team. That means if you choose Tom Brady as your QB, you may not have any other Patriots on your roster. This will be your roster for the duration of the entire playoffs, including the Super Bowl. There will not be any changes, substitutions, free agents, or pickups or anything like that once everything's locked. As NFL teams get knocked out, so will your players. So choose your teams wisely. The contest is capped at 4,250 teams, uh, 50, 240, 250 entries, and they'll sell out just like it does every single year. Uh, we're probably getting close, probably getting down to the nitty-gritty right now. So uh, if you've got that, get in there, and, and uh, registrations close on Saturday. Um, so we, we don't have much time here. It's Saturday, January 5th at 4.30 Eastern time. Don't wait. Go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com and get your team now. $200,000 grand prize. Okay. Let's throw it over to the that AFC side. Wild card weekend, Colts, Texas. Um, division game in the, in the playoffs. These are always fun. Nathan, who we buying, who we selling, Colts, Texans? I am selling the end of the season from Marlon Mack. People have uh, decided to buy all in on what he's done in, towards the end of the season, decide he's the long-term RB1 in Indianapolis. And certainly it's not like the biggest stretch in the world to say that. I mean, it, I would say that it's more likely than not that it, it would happen at this point. But I think that if you're going to fully buy into the concept of him being the RB1 in Indy, you're just giving up on the fact of Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines, more specifically Naheem Hines, because if you give up on Wilkins, that's fine. He's like a fifth-round running back. But Naheem Hines is a little bit more of an investment, a guy who has you know, uh, a dual threat, guys receiving out of the backfield as well as running. Uh, so I think that people are buying into Mac a little too hard and writing off Naheem Hines a little bit too much with what he's shown in his rookie year, both in the preseason and regular season. Not enough to obviously be the RB1 locked in an Indy, but I don't think he's not shown enough to at least threaten Mac long-term. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I feel like we've done the Marlon Mack dance before. Uh, maybe, maybe it was his rookie year, and, and people thought, hey, this is going to be the guy. This is going to be the guy he's going to take over, and it's taken until now for him to get any sort of production. And it's been very spotty um, in most cases against pretty bad teams. Um, and, and, you know, you can't change the, the teams that you play. So it, it is what it is there. But like you said, Naheem Hines has done more than enough to challenge for the spot. Uh, I think they have relatively similar draft capital. And obviously it doesn't matter as much for Marlon Mack now that we're a few years in. Um, but Hines was like an early fourth, I think. And I think uh, Mack is maybe a late fourth. Um, but the ability to play with Andrew Luck in a, you know, in a, relatively explosive offense that generates a lot of plays year in and year out. That's important. Uh, but it's more important, especially in PPR for you to get the guy that's catching the passes. And that's not Marlon Mack. That is nine. He's, he's that guy for that team. Um, Marlon Mack is their two down guy. He's done pretty well at it. Like I said, he, he's been a little bit volatile. He's had some, he's had some really nice games though. And like, like Nathan said, if you're selling him, you're selling the end of the season where he just kind of blew up. Yeah, a couple. I think he had a couple multi-touchdown games and a couple over a hundred. Um, that's that's such an easy sell, considering what you know the, the ups and downs throughout the season and what Hines has been able to do as a rookie. Uh, that that to me just kind of the kind of screams sell. And I'm not as worried about Jordan Wilkins stealing any work. I just feel like I just feel like Max such an easy sell right now. So. This may end up being one of those where they tell us that we're fighting a straw man that everyone would say to sell Mac right now. So what would be the what would be the pick number you would be looking to uh, sell Mac at right now? Well, it have to it have to be a first rounder, I think. I think um, I think minimum I'm I, I probably one eleven or one twelve. Uh, I'm probably starting a little bit higher and looking at like one oh eight. Um, because I feel like once you get into that mid first, people are like, well, the, you know, the, the high end wide receivers are going to be there and this and that, uh, and maybe still, you know, the RB one in the class might be around right there. So I feel like one Oh eight is probably a fair spot for Mac. Um, but yeah, if, if a first comes through for Marlon Mac and I have him rostered I'm, I'm hitting accept. 
Yeah, I mean, just straight up, I would be looking for like a 110 to 112 uh, area. I think any higher than that, and you're shooting a little above your pay grade. But I think there is an opportunity for a bit of a trade-up scenario where if you're offering like Mac and 204, you might be able to get up to like 106, 105, that range. If you're fine parting with that mid mid second, then you use that piece. And certainly there's a, who knows how draft season will go. Maybe 106 won't be that much more valuable than, than 110. But in, in the range of outcomes of things happening, if 106 ends up being a lot more uh, valuable than 110, you get that much more value by trading down when you have that higher pick. So for me, I, I'm trying to package up that second with Mac to get that earlier first. Um, it, obviously you're not going to get an early first, but like a, a mid first rather than a late, late first. Yeah. And, and, you know, with, with the, with the fluctuating talk on this class about, you know, obviously before everyone was like, this is the, this is the class you want. This is the class you want. And now everyone's like, well, it's not that great. This is still a strong wide receiver class. You have the high end guys, you have the mid tier guys, you have the, you know, that the lower level guys that need some development. You have the burners, you have everything you want in a rookie class at wide receiver, we just got to find them homes. So once once we know that, it'll be a little bit different. But yeah, I love I love that trade up idea. Yeah, throw in throw in any kind of second, um, or even some. You might be able to throw in like a third and make that move up, depending on how high another owner is on Mac. I think I think the way to feel that out is to start with a move like that. And if they're not interested in those lower picks, then you start to add a little bit more here and there and see if you can't get up into one of those nice uh, nice firsts. Um, Staying on the Colts, um, forever buying T.Y. Hilton because he's explosive. He gets to play with Andrew Luck. He gets seemingly all of the targets now uh, these days. Yes, Eric Ebron's in town and Jack Doyle's occasionally healthy and Naheem Hines catches a pass here and there. Um, but there's no other game in town, really. And and even when Hilton's banged up, he's putting up 100 in the score, uh, or at least 100. And it's really tough to beat that. Everybody's been so down on him because he's – He's you know been a little bit injured or maybe had a cold streak here or there. It just the production's always there with him and it's been there. So yes, he's you know getting up there a little bit in age. What is he twenty eight now? Um, that's that's wide receiver prime. That's that's where we want him, uh, especially if you're contending. So um, as a contender uh, or you know teams trying to win, Nathan, I know that's difficult for you to comprehend because you don't have many that do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as as a contender, even you know, even in the offseason here, and we always harp on striving for for value in offseason. You know, you don't need to worry about your lineup now on, until Labor Day. That's you know, that's that's when everything kind of comes back full circle. So right now you're looking for value, and T. Y. Hilton just seemingly always a, a screaming value. So um, and you can take that win now, or you can take it in August. It's totally up to you. Um, but that's that's for me a, a really nice buy right now. Um, and then the second game in the AFC, we have the uh, Los Angeles Chargers of Anaheim. <laughs> I, I don't know what they are. Uh, and the Baltimore Ravens. So I am going to throw it over to you, Nathan. And we'll, we'll let's start on the Chargers side of the ball. Let's see what you got there. Well, as many people know, Tyrell Williams is entering a restricted free agency and with the weapons that, that Los Angeles has and maybe the possibility of investing more at, in the draft, whether it's tight end or wide receiver with, uh, you know, uncertainty with Hunter Henry, although he is supposed to play this weekend. So maybe that uncertainty would will certain itself out. Um, but anyways, I think they let Tyrell Williams walk, which will be a good thing for Mike Williams. Certainly, Will neither Williams is a target hog, but you know, just losing those targets from one Williams and hopefully converting them to the other. I know you're not a fan of Mike Williams because you love Keenan Allen and think he should get 300 targets per season. But yes. Mike Williams has, has had some big games this year, and I think that with the exit of Tyrell Williams, we will see more consistency from Mike Williams. Yeah, you know, I, I came around on, on Mike Williams a little bit throughout the year. Uh, there was even a time I considered him a buy, and I don't hate buying him right now because it still seems like his cost is a little bit sunken. It's starting to pick up the pace a little bit more as people start to realize that, hey, Tyrell Williams isn't coming back, and they literally have no other receivers, uh, unless you want to count Travis Benjamin, which I don't. Um, and and I'll do even one better. I think both Williams are buys. Um I think Mike is the better buy because he has the potential to take that next step. However, um, I think Tyrell, because he's a restricted free agent, someone's going to come in with a nice offer sheet because that's usually just how free agency works. And he's found himself a decent role on hopefully a bad team that's always losing. 
because again, that just seems to be how free agency works. Um, so I like buying both Williams. Um, I've kind of been on that train for a little while now, but yeah, you know, Mike, Mike Williams in, in, um, in LA with the chargers and, and kind of the tail end of Philip Rivers career, but you have Keenan Allen on the other side and he's going to draw a lot of cover. You're going to have Mike Williams getting a lot of one-on-ones and jump balls, which he excels at. That's his game. And I just, yeah, it seems, especially in like best ball leagues, he seems like a really, really good best ball asset because of those really big games that he does have um, in, you know, the occasional game that Keenan Allen happens to be out. He's not injury prone though. You, you fools stop, stop calling him injury prone. Um, but I do like Mike Williams. I, I've come around on that one. So I don't think we can say that I hate Mike Williams anymore. I, st- I still I still kind of do, though. All right. My Baltimore Ravens buy, it's a very important buy, perhaps the most important buy of the offseason. Uh, I'm going to buy the player called running back to be named later. Uh, whichever <laughs> running back the Baltimore Ravens draft this year is going to be one of my favorite players in this draft. I don't like to draft for position. I mean, I don't like to draft for a landing spot, especially because more often than not, uh, fantasy Twitter overreacts to landing spot. Well, guess what? I'm going to be diving right in and overreacting to, to landing spot because it is clear that the running back to the Lamar Jackson offense is going to be very beneficial with volume and with just the, the you know, the, the option offense, the spread offense. So I, I think that uh, with the development of Lamar, Lamar Jackson, the offense will only get better. But still, the running back is going to be greatly beneficial to that. So um, when David Montgomery goes to the Ravens in the second round, I'll be like sliding him to my 103. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Um, I can't argue with the take of of RBTBD, but uh, I mean, they seem like they're – I'm not saying that they're flush with talent right now, especially because Alex Collins is (laughs) doo-doo. Kenneth Dixon never stays on the field. And I'm still not sure I know who Gus Edwards is. However, they probably don't need to spend that draft capital on one of those guys because they, I mean, they have the players now to do okay at it. Why not build outward and make everything else a little bit easier? And yes, that running game is super important because of the way Lamar Jackson plays. So you need to have a very good counterpart, but it's worked with these guys. Um, Could it work better with a higher end running back? Probably. Is there one of those guys in this rookie class? Not really. There's some solid players. There is no like true lead back in this class. At least I don't believe, Um, but there's some good ones. So if you transition that, that early second round pick to like a third or fourth, maybe then I'd probably jump on it because then I think that even though they're not sinking that full draft capital into one of these guys, they're getting them to try to make that offense better. Um, so that's that that position is really really important. That was the first the very first takeaway I had once um, once Lamar Jackson took over and he had his like twenty five carry game or whatever it was. The running back still had like eighteen or nineteen carries aside from what he was doing, and that is insane. The running back position in Baltimore, as long as Lamar Jackson's under center, is going to be sick. That's the only way I can put it. It's going to be stupid. Yeah, I mean, the only way for fantasy Twitter to not overreact to the Baltimore landing spot is if it ends up being like a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick running back. But I I guarantee if it's a first through third round running back going to Baltimore, then there will be overreactions, including by me. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's almost no matter who it is, it's going to be like 105, 106 tops. If it's a if you have a if you have a top three a, a top 100 player going to Baltimore that happens to play the running back position. You can basically chalk them in for a top two thirds of the first round, almost guaranteed in rookie drafts. Um, there's another Baltimore Raven, however, that I like, and it's not in the running game. Shockingly, uh, it's someone I was very high on while he was in college. Max Williams. Um, no, <laughs> you can keep guessing after I say each one. Of this. I like this. This is a good shtick. <laughs> I was very high on him in college. I was very high on him. Post combine, no, no guesses. Okay, um, oh, Mark Andrews. <laughs> well, now you got it. Yes, I was, um, I was joking with the Max Williams one. I no, I know. <laughs> I thought, I thought the next time you would say Hayden Hurst, and I could we could keep going. This has gone too far. Um, Mark Andrews, super explosive, big time player in college, um, one of Baker Mayfield's guys in, in at Oklahoma, and got drafted over by. Hayden Hurst, 
I still, you know what? I think they did when they were drafting. When Ozzy brought that card up to to the table, they're like, "Yeah, we'll just take that tight end from whatever team wears red." And they're like, "Oh yeah, the uh, Hayden Hurst guy, you know, whatever." That's what happened. There's no way they took Hayden Hurst over Mark Andrews. I mean, they did, but now we're seeing why Mark Andrews should have been that guy. You know, yeah, he's still spotty and and like a lot of the guys we've talked about today, relatively volatile, but that's kind of the nature of the tight end position. But seeing him do what he's been doing on limited touches with limited work and splitting time with with three other tight ends, that's nuts. He always seems to have an explosive game. Lamar seems to connect with him really nicely, and that's kind of surprising for someone that isn't the best thrower. Um, I just feel like he's he's due to be explosive. I think... I think they drafted Hayden Hurst to be more of an inline blocker type with the ability to get out and go catch the ball. But they got they went and got Mark Andrews to be a stand-up tight end. He's he's out there to be a pass catcher. He's not out there to block. Um, he's going to play a nice role in that offense because when you're running spread option, you don't really account for the pass catchers as much. You're usually one-on-one, and putting someone like Mark Andrews against a middle linebacker, an outside linebacker, that's an easy win all day, every day. So... I think Mark Andrews, especially because of his price too, I just think he's such a nice buy, and I think I think there's so much upside for the limited cost you have to sink in there. Yeah, and I think that he's the classic buy, not exactly right now, but more so when we get into rookie draft season, when you're hyping up the third-round rookie pick that you're going to be drafting this year, that's when you forget about the third-round rookie pick from last year. So I think that the time to buy him is, you know, trying to throw a third round rookie pack pick at him during rookie draft time. It might even take you like a, a late second, but I'm, I'm fine with that price as well. I think that he is the receiving tight end option in, in Baltimore. And eventually that offense will evolve from just the run 50 times a game offense. I like it. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's at least I think that's all of our buys and sells and uh, all that fun stuff. Let's do, let's just hit a couple of these trade evals really quick with some quick hitters. Pick a side. If you want to throw a little context in there, we can do that. Um, so Nathan, these are Twitter trades. That's correct. Correct. All right. So fresh off of the presses from twitter.com slash org. <laughs> We slash have org. Okay. Slash, <laughs> slash org. That's my favorite website. Um, Brandon Cooks and a 2023rd or Corey Davis and a 2021st. Nathan, knee jerk reaction. Oh, my knee jerk reaction is that I love Brandon Cooks and I've been very disappointed by Corey Davis. And unless this first 2021st looks like it could be early to mid. I, I think you you have to take Cooks because we're still not sure Corey Davis is a good NFL wide receiver. We know for a fact Brandon Cooks is. Eventually, you have to just bite the bullet, and Cooks is young enough where it's not like, oh, you're buying a veteran. You're buying a guy who's still young and is still putting up numbers. G- give me Cooks. I I haven't lost faith in, faith in Corey Davis, but you know I, I'm still I'm not as bullish as I once was. First of all, how dare you? Second of all, don't tell me what to do, okay? This, this for me, is Corey Davis relatively easy. Uh, I think the first puts it over the top. If that was a second, uh, then I'd be on the cook side. But because it's a first, I'm, you know, I, I don't see a huge gap between Davis and Cooks. Yes, we're still working on potential and perceived value for Corey Davis, and we have an actual value in Brandon Cooks because all he does is produce, even though this year was... I mean, he was fine this year. I don't think he was, like, amazing by any means. I'd rather have Robert Woods. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I think this is a good trade. Uh, but I think I'm taking Corey Davis here not in, in a position to win because I still think the Titans are kind of figuring out what they're going to do. And that 2021st goes a long way. That's just added value to your roster. Um, okay, so next trade is going to be the 105 that's this rookie class so 105 and two late 2020 firsts or the 101 uh nathan i have a feeling i know where you're going with this one but you tell me i i love Nikhil harry he's my projected 101 but we are early enough in the process here that there could legitimately be a 2013 type situation where the 101 through 105 is one big tier. 
Uh, we had that with Gio Bernard, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Eddie Lacy, everyone from that draft. Uh, but we might have it again in 2019. Uh, I think that Harry right now and Harry and Brown and Metcalf might have their own tier, but there's still room. Uh, there's a range of outcomes where Kelvin Harmon's at 105, and I would just as easily rather have him too. So uh, I think that right now you have to take the two late first on top. But I think that if like the two top wide receivers end up going a lot earlier than the rest of them, this could change a little bit. But I, I think for now you have to take the extra capital. Yeah, I mean, when when you when you can only when you have to move back four spots in a draft with that's missing a you know a can't miss um, you know a, a can't miss player you know like last year we had Saquon Barkley we don't have that this year moving back four spots for two future firsts you can project them to be as late as you want any team can blow up any team can can you know, sink right there. And that could very easily go 105 this year. Could be Kelvin Harvin, could be could be any of those kind any of those those, you know, next tier wide receivers. And then in 2020, you could end up having two picks, you know, you could have 106 and 108. If you had three top 10 rookie picks, you know, in in that range right there, that's that's so easy with without a, you know, a generational talent as the kids on Twitter like to say. Uh, that that to me is pretty pretty easy, pretty cut and dry. Yeah, um, basically, basically whoever this year's one hundred and one has to basically turn into Barkley for you to lose that trade, and we just don't see that happening right now. Yeah, no, I mean they, it would it would have to it would have to be like whatever you know the Odell Beckham or it, it would have to be the twenty fourteen class, and whoever the one hundred and five is is the one that misses. <laughs> that would be your your worst case scenario. Um, okay. This one is uh, a lot for one. So let's start with the easy side. This, and we talked about it at the top of the show, Antonio Brown amidst all of his chaos uh, or 109, 209, Ido Smith, Dallas Goddard, and Ian Thomas. Now I'm guessing this is probably a tight end premium league, but I don't want to steal the thunder from the tweet. Um, so let's just pretend that it's not or pretend that it is. I don't really care because either way, I don't think this is close. Nathan, what are your thoughts on this train wreck? See, this is the type of trade that often proves my thinking both right and wrong, if this makes any sense. Typically, when people ask around this time of day, I mean, they're on this this type of news, they, they're like, Nathan, should I go try and buy Antonio Brown? And usually my answer is, it's a waste of time. No, no owner is dumb enough to sell low right now. And if they are selling low, maybe it might bite you in the butt. Da, 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 da. But then you see things like this get accepted. I saw someone tweet out that this was accepted. And this is very, very short of what Antonio Brown should be fetching, even with the uh, fainted risk of retirement that we've made up out of nowhere. Um, I, I think that, you know, he's still a top 24 asset and any top 24 asset should be getting more than basically just Dallas Goddard in a first. That's basically what the boils down to. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I'm out on this package. I, I like the players individually. I think Goddard and Thomas are fine players. Edo Smith's a decent stash, but that shouldn't equal Antonio Brown. Yeah, this is, this is the classic, this is the classic, like three quarters for a dollar. Um, <laughs> that's that's short to me. That's short about a full nice first and a decent player. Um, it, it, but that's you know, like you said, people go into panic mode. Like I can get them away for anything. That's not what we want to do. We when you're not trying to dump your elite asset for pennies. That's that's not the point. If you can move him for his full value, that's your that's your goal. That's what we want to do. Moving him for moving him for 109 Dallas Goddard is. You know, and you know, I had the two hundred nine Edo Smith and Ian Thomas, but you would have to have a lot go correct for that trade to even be close. And as much as I like those players, like Nathan said, I mean, there's, there's, you know, Edo Smith's a nice stash. Dallas Goddard, I like a lot. And Ian Thomas looked like he might fill in for what Greg Olson was doing there for a little while towards the end of the year. So I just, yeah, you can't, you can't sell Antonio Brown for scraps as much as you might want to. Yeah, and this is a perfect example of when you're selling a guy like Antonio Brown, the better way to go is search for a guy around his ADP, a little below his ADP. If you want to sell low, sell low with a top 
top tier player like that because even if you miss like even if you like go towards you know like the 208 range you can still sell that player for more than this package in most most cases yeah no no doubt that's just just find find market value and if you have to take a little bit of an l based on market that's fine don't take a big l though uh and i think that is enough for one day i'm exhausted for having to lead this lead whatever this is that we're doing um i'm just kidding i'm I'm having a great time nathan did you have fun i had so much fun and dan because we have a, a late show this week and normal show next week we're not only go like four days about seeing each other so it makes my day better that's like the best news i've gotten all day that's that's honestly awesome uh so thank you uh, all for tuning in joining us on the dynasty Tradecast. uh we love having you here we'd really appreciate it if you wanted to hop on over uh to that old uh, itunes app there and give us a five-star review write something nice tell nathan how pretty he is or or give him a compliment um but Aside from that, I uh, I have been your host for today, Dan Sanio at FF Dynasty Dan on Twitter, uh, and my uh, cohort Nathan Powell at N Powell FF. And for the both of us, Happy New Year, and we will see you in just a few days. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season, 40 to 75% off everything, plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99, logo styles from $16.99, and jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at gapfactory.com. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.